Hey, this is Jason from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron, located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky. 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606 310 4918. History, art, science, and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk about supervillains. Across from me is a man obsessed with world domination, Dr. Deaton Doom. How many evil henchmen do you currently have, Shannon? At last count, I, I think I had seven and a half. Seven and a half? <laughs> yeah, okay. Used to have eight, but I am evil. Well, after all. Tell, tell the half one to not give up. That's right. Yeah. To kind of hang in there, buddy. <laughs> See, and people can always become more evil, right? Yeah, they, they can. Uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of Pinky and the Brain. What, what are we going to do tonight? Try to take over the world. <laughs> In the world of superheroes, it's always the uh, the good guys who get all the attention, but there are some really good villains who don't get the attention that they deserve. So today is their day. We made a list of 10 supervillains and asked our listeners to weigh in on their favorites. So without further ado, the top 10 supervillains as voted on by Slapdash listeners. Number 10, General Zod. General Zod is a DC character and is the most powerful enemy of Superman. Zod first appeared in Adventure Comics in 1961, and because he is a Kryptonian like Superman, he has all the same powers as Superman. He can fly, super strength, heat vision, super speed, and and so forth. And in most storylines, Zod uh, was attempting to take over Krypton and is imprisoned, but eventually bust out. So how familiar are you with General Zod? Just a little bit. He he was in a more recent uh, Superman movie. Which one was that? Was it... Um was he, he he wasn't in Justice League was he I can't remember or Batman well, versus Superman I think I think he he may was maybe in both of them I know in one of them he was clearly Superman right, right. I mean he, he comes down he, he battles and that type of thing but then I think like later on in Justice League they sort of turn him into like a monster I okay. think I think maybe the the monster may have been like Dark Side. I think maybe is is oh, okay. the name of it, but yeah. it's based like on his DNA or something. Where you know he was like a, this dead alien in a spaceship, and Lex Luthor brings him back to life. So it, it he's sort of in a several of those Superman movies. Yeah, was was he in one of the older ones too? He absolutely was. Okay, that, yeah. that, that's where I think I most remember him from was from the uh, the classic Christopher Reeve. Yeah, uh, and there were yeah. actually uh, three Kryptonians. All right, and so yeah. like so General Zod was the leader, and sort of they were all dressed like in this real silk black spacey, type stuff yeah stuff and uh they they you know fly to earth and uh, and i remember one scene where uh the uh, woman she picks up a snake and she's like oh what a strange creature and <laughs> the snake bites her and then she just throws it down and burns it with her eyes yeah know? like well that happened yeah and they're like what are these powers we have <laughs> yeah so so general zod was sort of the leader uh of that crew and uh and for that reason uh is, is a very
very, you know, very, very powerful adversary of Superman. You know, he basically has all the powers, and uh, Superman barely, barely beat him. Yeah, he, absolutely, he did. And he's he's General Zod for a reason. He he's not he's private not, first class. Zod. He's not Corporal Zod. <laughs> no, he he's General Zod. Uh, he is. It doesn't surprise me that he comes in at number ten. He's one of really probably the, the lesser knowns. And there were some, you know, some. Uh, villains that we did not put on this list they probably deserve to be on there but we tried to kind of spread the wealth out a little bit right yeah. try and to hit different franchises try, or yeah different, different franchises yeah villains di- yeah different heroes and so forth so i kind of thought zod would probably come in at either nine or ten yeah. so he, he came in at ten but he's still very powerful yeah number nine brainiac Brainiac is a DC Comics villain who debuted in Action Comics number 242 in July 1958. He is usually depicted as an extraterrestrial cyborg or android who serves as a staple Superman villain, similar to General Zod, and a frequent adversary of the Justice League. Jason, uh, the first story that Brainiac appeared in, uh, he revealed to Superman that he had shrunk the Kryptonian city (laughs) of Kandor. All right. This was during the Silver Age, I think. So it was all those crazy storylines and sort of the villains who twist their mustache and say, look what I've done. (laughs) So he had shrank down this Kryptonian city and uh, he kept it in a miniaturized bottle, basically. (laughs) And Superman didn't want any of that. He he had to free the last remaining citizens of Krypton that he was aware of. And uh, he fought Brainiac and obviously he won. Originally, Brainiac was used more as a plot device. He didn't really have a backstory per se. They just sort of inserted him into the storyline here and there. But he did finally get a history, and the history was that he was originally from the planet most frequently named Kolu, C-O-L-U. One of the most terrifying characteristics of Brainiac is that the knowledge he acquires is only valuable if he and he alone possesses it. So that tells you a little wow. bit about his his motives and right. how things probably his go. willingness to share. I guess <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's not real big into sharing. Thanks to his highly advanced computerized brain, Brainiac is always ten steps ahead of his opponents. Similar, we had the AI episode when we talked about Deep Blue, the chess playing. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> machine. Uh, yeah, so Brainiac is is ten steps ahead of Deep Blue. However, his weakness has always been his inability to see beyond pure logic. Uh, He's kind of like a bad computer virus, and he just keeps popping up from time to time in the DC universe. But here's a funny story (laughs) about Brainiac. In one story, Lex Luthor unlocks Brainiac's 12th level of intelligence. All right. <laughs> wow. So, I'm, I'm very interested in this. Yeah. So uh, he, he previously only went up to level 10, <laughs> apparently. So Lex Luthor uh, unlocks the 12th level of intelligence, and that's good, supposedly, because Jason 12 is higher than 10. Last time I checked. Yeah. So, so Brainiac becomes much more intelligent, and uh, I think at one point Lex Luthor holds him as a slave, basically, and uh, he, he won't let him go. But apparently Brainiac also has powers of hypnosis, so he he hypnotizes Lex Luthor, escapes, and I guess he gets to keep his level 12 status so after that. I wonder what happened to level like 11. I don't know. He just, he just passed it's right like over 11's that. not very good, right? Yeah, we, we have to make this even better. It has to be even more powerful. I, I, I remember Brainiac. On the, you know the old Super Friends cartoon, oh, and I know that yeah. depiction of him. He's sort of, uh, as best I can remember, he sort of is is bald and sort of has these 
like these little nodule or yeah, kind of yeah. all over his head, sort of. Mm-hmm. And he's just this maniacal genius who he's a smart guy. Yeah, who always has like you know has done something horrible to a whole city, or <laughs> you know he's he's mesmerized and hypnotized a whole group of people, and it's all, and, and and even the name Brainiac. I know it's so on the nose. Some of these <laughs> yeah. older uh, these older villains, they just. They're brainiac because they're smart. Because they're smart, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's pretty fun, though. We'll get into some more fun names here in a little bit. Number eight, the Red Skull. The Red Skull is a Marvel character that first appeared in Captain America comics in 1941. The Red Skull is the arch enemy of Captain America. The comics and movies differ a little in terms of his origin story and even his Shannon literal skull. <laughs> it's been everything uh, from a mask in certain comic books uh, to his actual head being rendered to a legit bloody red skull. I like that better. <laughs> that, that, that's just more popular, right? It's just it's a whole lot you know cooler story. Sure. Talk about on the nose too. I mean, right. red skull. What's his deal? <laughs> well, he, his skull is red. He's he's got a big time red skull, man. Yeah. You know, regardless of the backstory, uh, one fact that is similar uh, in, in all the stories is that the Red Skull basically had his origin uh, in in the Nazi Party in Germany during World War II. And of course, you know, we just talked about Captain America, and then he first appeared in the comics in 1941. So the timeline is very easily understood. Oh right? yeah, it all it all you can connect. match it up to history. Oh yeah, it, it all connects up. This one probably more maybe than any other. Honestly, in terms of a villain and a time period and sure. and that type of thing, so the Red Skull, obviously, that the origin story, he was part of the uh, the Nazi Party, you know, so he was this really evil leader that was just uh, determined to take over the world during World War II, and and even sort of above the the Nazi Party, that he became the leader of this evil organization uh, known as Hydra, mm-hmm. right? And of course, Hydra is uh, you know, very well known and, and and talked about, and discussed, and is a plot point uh, in pretty much all the Marvel. movies. Movies. It is. Yeah, and yeah. We just talked about Greek mythology last week. So if right, anyone's yeah. interested in getting to know the history behind what a Hydra is, <laughs> we, we get into that a little bit with Hercules. And I think that speaks to the power of the organization. You know, it's multi-headed. Right. So whenever you cut off one head, I think in Greek mythology, three heads grow back. And, right. and that's that's actually said. Yeah. Like in the movie, like where, you know, Captain America, I think, you know, grabs this guy and he's going to take him in for questioning. And sure. he bites a... Uh, a uh, cyanide pill. Oh yeah, and he sort of foams at the mouth, and he goes, you know, you know, cut to one head, two take his place, or whatever, <laughs> you know. And Captain America's like, no, don't die. I gotta have the don't answer. Don't you do it? Yeah. yeah. So the Red Skull basically is like just a legit evil dude, right? And he's uh, sort of obsessed with the occult and and trying to use that, like the uh, I think it's the the uh, Tesseract that he's oh, you right. know, trying to find there uh, in the Captain America movie, and uh, he basically just wants to use that power for world conquest. I mean, he's literally. Evil Evil incarnate. Yeah, I like him. I think he's, if nothing else, he has a very iconic look. Number seven, Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is a Marvel villain who debuted in the Fantastic Four number five in July 1962. He was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, as were many of these supervillains. Uh, Doctor Doom's real name is Victor Von Doom. Wow. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love that. He was born in a Romani camp outside Hassenstadt, Latveria. And I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> Here's the fun thing about Dr. Doom, if there could be a fun thing. As we mentioned, his real name is Victor Von Doom. And it's no surprise here. You see this a lot in like Silver Age, Bronze Age comic books where the bad guy's name is just 
so spot on. It's exactly right. what he is. But there's actually a, a scientific term that's been given to this uh, where, when a name models the person's occupation. Oh, yeah. That happens in real life from uh, time to time. It's called an aptonym. And, an aptonym. Yeah. yeah. And there's several real life examples that we can point to, including uh, most recently uh, Usain Bolt, who was the Jamaican oh, sprinter, yeah. right? Yeah. And real fast guy. Being Bolt. Right. Like a lightning bolt. He's a fast guy. I, I like this one a lot. Doug Bowser, who is the president of Nintendo of America. <laughs> oh, just, wow. I just love that. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's just awesome to me, uh, you know, because the villain's in charge over at Nintendo. Right. And maybe the best one, Thomas Crapper, <laughs> who was an English businessman and plumber who made many improvements to the modern-day toilet. <laughs> Well, that's interesting and, and extremely unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just for fun, also have uh, some opposites. There's another term called inaptronyms, and this is when your <laughs> occupation and name don't match okay. in, in usually a funny way. So there's a gentleman who is the CEO of Food for the Poor, and his name is Robin Mafood. <laughs> No, yeah, it is Robin Mafood. Mafood, M A H Food. Are you Robin serious? Mafood. Yeah, I promise you, you couldn't make that up. It's Rob- just too good. Robin Mafood. <laughs> also, uh, there is a person named Jamie Sin who was made a cardinal uh, in 1976, <laughs> and his official name is Cardinal Sin. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> So Doctor Doom follows in that same wow. same lineage. Doctor Doom doesn't seem too bad. Now. It doesn't seem that bad. No. Yeah. So Jack Kirby modeled Doctor Doom <laughs> after death. You know, sort of personified. You know, that classic look of uh, the Grim Reaper. Oh yeah. Who has the big black it's cloak definitely there. The skeleton, uh, the armor standing in for the character skeleton because Doctor Doom is depicted as having sort of the silver armor, but this green cloak and hood, right? And that sort of thing. Uh, Kirby said, quote, it was the reason for the armor and the hood. Doom is connected with armor and the inhuman-like steel. Like death, doom is something without mercy, and human flesh contains that mercy, end quote. So by hiding all of his human skin, he was trying to sort of personify death and eliminate some of the human characteristics of Dr. Death, make him just a little more villainous. Dr. Doom is usually depicted as the arch enemy of the Fantastic Four, though he has come into conflict with other superheroes as well, including Spider-Man, Iron Man, Black Panther, the X-Men, and the Avengers. So he's a villain for all time. (laughs) And and Robin (laughs) Mafood. Robin (laughs) Mafood. Number six, Catwoman. Catwoman is a DC villain who first appeared in the spring of 1940. Her actual name is Selina Kyle, and of course, she is a Batman villain. Catwoman actually went missing from the comics from 1954 to 1966 due to the comics code authorities rules regarding the the portrayal of female characters. In, oh, really? In print, yeah. So she just kind of went missing. She for, went away for about 12 years there. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman is basically a super good burglar who is highly skilled in gymnastics, uh, hand-to-hand combat, and uses bull whips and retractable claws to fight off her enemies. Many women have played Catwoman over the years, including uh, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry, and most recently, Anne Hathaway. Oh, that's right. So I had forgotten all about Anne, yeah. Anne Hathaway so in that, the Dark Knight series. In the Dark Knight, yeah. So yeah. which of those is your favorite? <sighs> 
probably Michelle Pfeiffer, just because I have a soft spot for that. Kind of back in the 90s, day, sort of. Batman. Yeah. yeah. I really can't remember. I mean, obviously, I remember Catwoman in the old the TV series. Right. Show. Yeah. But I, I have a hard time sort of differentiating those those two or three that played her. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely remember uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and then obviously uh, Halle Berry. But uh, I kind of like Anne Hathaway, I think, in the last, the last couple. She, she's good in a lot of movies. Yeah. She does a really good job. Number five, Loki. Loki is a Marvel supervillain who debuted officially in Journey into Mystery number 85 in October 1962, although a version of Loki appeared years earlier in Venus number six, which was published in August 1949. I don't think that very first appearance was Loki as we know him today, though. Right. He was almost depicted more as like being the literal devil. I think whenever you oh, look yeah. at pictures of him and kind of his backstory, but Loki is based on the Norse deity of the same name, which is the Asgardian God of mischief. He is the adopted child of Odin and the sibling of the superhero Thor. And man, those guys just don't get along, do they? No, they do not. Uh, based on several movies, they just kind of go back and forth. But then every once in a while, it seems like they kind of like they they kind of buddy up. Hey, and make man, friends, we're but, really brothers. Yeah. But then maybe not. And then like I'll stab you. No, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, but there uh, Loki has some some deep seated problems. He does. <laughs> he just got some issues. He does, and he has a really interesting history too. Maybe one of my favorite backstories, just because of the number of times uh, frost giants are mentioned. Right. <laughs> So, uh, many in the the history of Loki goes like this: Many years ago, when Bor, who was ruler of Asgard, was battling frost giants, he followed a wounded giant to a powerful sorcerer that was waiting for him. The sorcerer caught him unaware and turned Bor into snow because that's his superpower. Just okay. poof, you're a ball right. of snow. Bor's son Odin found his father as he was blowing away because he's snow, <laughs> and Bor begged Odin to find a sorcerer to free him. How he did thus, I have no idea. He's snow. So, he just kind of like evaporating please, or blowing away in the wind or whatever. Yeah. People are making a snowman out of him. That's right. Odin refused to help him, so Bor cursed him, saying that he would take in the son of a fallen king and raise him as his own. The very next week, Odin fought the king of the frost giants and defeated them. A small child who would become Loki was found hidden away, and Odin uh, raised him as his own. Well, there you go. There you I go. actually like the the character of Loki. I know it's, I, I think it's Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston is that is yeah. that right? Who who uh, portrays him? I think he does a really good job. Uh, and his character really develops because, like, early on when you meet him, it's like, man, I hate this guy. You know, <laughs> when he first appears, yeah, and he's kind of a punk a little he's, bit. Yeah, he's like just a big time punk, and I mean, he's he's really just not likable at all. And then, as sort of as as the Avengers series kind of develops, you sort of kind of start to like the guy a little you bit. Do. Yeah, and especially the actor who portrays him, Jason. Ever since we did the episode on Greek mythology, this kind of got me interested in other types of mythology. And since Loki originates from Norse mythology, I just had to go and see what's going on with this guy sure because apparently norse mythology is just as tragic as greek mythology <laughs> people dying all over the place <laughs> they're all terrible at the last second <laughs> at the last second so loki in norse mythology is absolutely hated by all the all the other gods okay P- pretty similar to how he is in the marvel universe but he's hated so much so that at one point the gods actually rebel against him and they force him down into a cave under the ground they chain him to a rock mm-hmm. and they basically hang this snake 
up over his head that is venomous. And the snake drips venom down onto his face for the rest of eternity. But here's the catch. His wife, and yes, Loki has a wife in Norse mythology, okay. is super faithful to him. So for the rest of eternity, she has a bowl where she just stands and catches the venom as it drips. And Loki is chained to the rock. She catches the venom. But ever so often, the bowl fills up and she has to go empty it out. And when she leaves for just those few minutes or seconds or however long, the venom just drips right onto his face and into his eyes, and he's screaming and and squirming, and that apparently causes earthquakes in Midgard, which is the name for, you know, just the mortal plane, Earth. So if you're wondering where earthquakes come from, oh, that's just Loki's wife (laughs) emptying out the old venom plate. I have never heard that, but from this day forward, anytime (laughs) I ever hear of an earthquake, I'm going to be, oh, Loki. Oh, Loki. Oh, Loki. Number four, Green Goblin. The Green Goblin was a Stan Lee creation, so of course, that means Marvel. The Goblin first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 14 and is the arch enemy of Spider-Man. The Green Goblin's backstory uses the time-honored lab experiment gone bad, <laughs> Have they all? Has a lab experiment ever gone right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can recall. The president of Oscorp, Norman Osborn, develops increased speed and agility, and these characteristics, along with his technology, makes the Green Goblin a formidable adversary. Basically, he becomes, he's already super smart, right? Yeah. He becomes super quick, super strong. He has all these uh, you know, pumpkin bombs, I think, that he ends up calling them right when he's a goblin. <laughs> pumpkin bombs, But it yeah. drives him crazy, right? Sure. So he's, he's driven crazy, even some of his like physical characteristics change, and he just decides, hey, I'll look the part. Yeah. <laughs> I might as well be a bad guy. Might right? as well be this dude. So I'm going to be the, the Green Goblin. Uh, I know in some comics, in Spider-Man comics, I think there's a crossover between the Hobgoblin. He's sure. also you know, yeah. he's also called that. So uh, probably people know him most for like this kind of platform that he flies around on, right? right? It's kind of like an air chariot type kind of like thing. Back to the Future. Marty flies around on that hoverboard. On that hover- yeah, yeah, it's kind of like what that is. So this is. one has a full arsenal. Right, it has every has missiles, has nets that shoot out, lasers, oh, yeah. and you name it. It probably has air conditioning, <laughs> whatever it is. So, so he's on that, and uh, his character has been portrayed uh, actually, I think a, a couple times over the last probably fifteen years. I think Willem Dafoe was actually played the the, uh, the Green Goblin, and of course, you know, the, the Spider-Man uh, plot is that the uh, Mr. Osborne's son, Harry Osborne. Right is Peter Parker's friend. That's right. And so, in one of the more recent movies, uh, Harry Osborn actually becomes the Green Goblin. Also, that's right. And so he, you know, he tries to find out who is this Spider Man. Then all of a sudden, oh, it's it's my friend, it's my buddy, right? it's it's my buddy. Yeah. So Green Goblin, uh, while he has fought several Marvel characters, he's almost exclusive to. Spider-Man. So, Shannon, uh, this is, I guess we're probably a little more than halfway through. So, how about a time for a break and let's talk about some Slapdash products? Let's do that. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. We're back, and we are discussing the top 10 comic supervillains as voted by Slapdash listeners. So, let's get back to the list. 
Number three, Magneto. Magneto is a Marvel supervillain who first debuted in the X-Men number one in September 1963. He, he's the OG supervillain. <laughs> he's been around for a while, right? Yeah. Like all you other supervillains, you know, just kind of step behind me. Right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Magneto is often depicted as wearing a red suit with purple trim and a helmet that gives him immunity to telekinetic attacks. Sure. Uh, he also wears a purple cape and purple gloves. He's a very, majest- guy. very majestic. Right? <laughs> he's very regal right. in his appearance. Uh, the character is a powerful mutant, one of a fictional subspecies of humanity born with superhuman abilities who has the power to generate and control magnetic fields. And that sounds like, okay, whatever, at, right. at a glance, or, you know, on first read. But he does a lot with that power, man. It's a big deal. Yeah. So he can pretty much, like, just move anything. He can lift up planes. He can stop, most famously, Wolverine, whose oh, yeah. skeleton is fused with adamantium, which is a form of metal. He can basically control that just guy. Just sort of stop him in his tracks. Yeah, just make right. a puppet out of him. Magneto believes that mutants are superior to humans and rejects the possibility of peaceful human-mutant coexistence. He originally aimed to conquer the world to enable mutants, whom he refers to as homo superior, <laughs> to replace humans <laughs> as the dominant species. That's simple enough. That's yeah, right. sure. They're, they're just better than everybody else. No big deal. <laughs> Magneto is a friend of Professor X, Charles Xavier, the leader of the X-Men, but their different philosophies cause a rift in their friendship. You know, Charles Xavier is more about befriending humanity and doing things to help them. And as we mentioned, Magneto is more about crushing humanity and doing things to destroy them. That doesn't often jive. Yeah, sort of in Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, they, they just don't see eye to eye. Right. <laughs> On those sort of things. Here's a fun fact about Magneto. He first appeared in television in 1978 in the cartoon The New Fantastic Four. And in the 70s, everything was just kind of fun. You know, right. you really couldn't have these evil, evil characters, especially on kids' television shows. So they were kind of goofy. Just and bigger than live. Kinda, yeah. yeah, they were. So Reed Richards, who is a member of the Fantastic Four, devises this ingenious plan to stop Magneto. So up to this point, Magneto's been stopping tanks. He's been <laughs> stopping guns. He's been just, you know, anything that's made of metal, he's just completely controlling it. So Reed Richards takes a wooden gun and paints it silver. So that Magneto is tricked into thinking, oh, that's a metal object, because anything that's silver couldn't possibly be anything but metal. <laughs> right. So Reed Richards takes this fake wooden gun, basically points it at Magneto, and uh, he tells Magneto that he must be losing his power because Magneto's unable to, to move this, <laughs> this wooden gun. <laughs> so Magneto just basically has a mental breakdown uh, <laughs> over the thought of losing his powers and thus is defeated. <laughs> I had not heard that story. So basically just a, a psychological trick. It's yeah. like, you know, paint still dripping off of it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure right. it's like, hey, see if you can move this, Magneto. I know you're floating in the air up there. Yeah. But. He, he doesn't have super genius as part of his powers, apparently, <laughs> because he's just looking at this this clearly wooden object that just is a shade of gray, basically. You can still see the grains yeah. like in the wood. And he's, you know, he just looks at Reed Richards. He's like, give me that, you know, with his powers. And Reed Richards is like, aha. Well, well, well. Magneto says i i am foiled <laughs> feeling tired magneto <laughs> i love magneto especially uh you know i, I mean I, I i read comic books but i i mean i wasn't like an avid comic book sure. or like i'm i'm you know reading it like every day or anything i read them from time to time growing up but i've watched virtually all the movies oh yeah and i really like that character i mean i like the the original x-men character 
uh, you know, of, of Magnebo. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I like the the uh, newer ones where they're actually younger. You right. know, and they're actually, I guess, uh, prequels, you know, you yeah. call them. So uh, I love Magneto. He he may be one of my three favorite villains. I think so, too. I like his backstory. I do, too. And I had a VHS tape of the X-Men when I was a kid. It was of that, I guess it was the 1990s, maybe late 80s. I'm not sure exactly where it fell, but do you remember the cartoon? It, oh, it yeah. Kind of did, oh, yeah. And it had yep. all the X-Men and their names and everything. I love that. But I had a video, and on the video was an episode called Enter Magneto. And it was the introduction story to Magneto. But for years and years and years, I thought Enter was his first name. Like, I, I thought this guy's last name, you know, Mr. Magneto, and his first name was Enter because the episode was Enter Magneto. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I was just a kid. I, I figured it out later in life, though. <laughs> and, then, and then I got me some purple gloves. <laughs> Number two, Thanos. Thanos is a Marvel supervillain first appearing in The Invincible Iron Man in 1973. Thanos is a titan and is uh, an, an eternal and as such plays a significant role in the Marvel Universe and for sure in Marvel's Avengers. Thanos is this Hulk-sized character with tremendous strength and fighting ability. And then Shannon, luckily, you know, he has some sort of like cosmic powers, right? Oh, yeah, you have to have them. He can go through time. He can appear, you know, has lasers, force field type stuff. He's a really interesting chin He can sculpt. He, he sure does, right? <laughs> yeah, he has like a like a 27-pound chin. He I, sure does, I think, yeah. yeah. Made completely of plums and grapes, as far as I can tell. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Thanos' character uh, is in love with death yeah he that's kind of kind of sad but that's but that's true sure. you know, he's in love with death and as a result he attempts to get the infinity stones uh basically place them into a glove or the infinity gauntlet as right. it's called and with the snap of his fingers just as easy as literally erase half of all living creatures in the universe that was one of the coolest cinematic stories ever told because it took years and years and years from the onset of the first Iron Man movies all the way up to the Avengers and just the moment when Thanos snaps. I mean, everything was building up to that yeah, point. For, for literally years. Yeah, yeah. And, and you wonder, is this really going to happen? Because villains never never win, right? right? I mean, it just it doesn't happen. But half of humanity snapped out in a blink. Right. That's incredible. And of course, in the movie, you see, you know, people just slowly turn to ash and then yeah. you start to realize. And so, you know, that the camera begins to like jump from scene to scene and setting to setting. And you see, you know, helicopters crashing and cars crashing and people like walking around and all of a sudden just instantly turn to dust. And yeah. and of course, that brings about, uh, you know, uh, other other sequels as well. But uh, but that particular scene that was that was maybe the most powerful scene in like superhero movie history ever. I think, yeah, that was that was incredible. It's a big deal, yeah. And Thanos is is almost like an antihero. He's not just out now. He is like you said in love with death, you know? right? But it's not always just destruction for destruction's sake right. in, in the in movie, he, yeah. He sort of painted as wanting to help the right. universe. In in his mind, he's doing the universe a favor by like starting almost from scratch. Like yeah. let's just let's just kind of let's uh, just swing it back into balance. Right. Let's a just bit. cut half of you know everyone out and let's kind of go from there. Sure. Number one, the Joker. The Joker is a DC Comics villain who debuted in Batman number one in April nineteen forty. Just like Magneto, he's one of these OG villains who was there from the start. He's been there. He's he been was actually there. before Batman, right? In yeah, a way. In a know. way, yeah. Uh, he is often named the Clown Prince of Crime, which I love. He was co-created by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and Jerry Robinson. 
He is modeled after Conrad Veed's character Gwynplaine in the 1928 movie The Man Who Laughs. We've talked about this before. Yeah, we we did a whole episode yeah. on Batman. It's really interesting. Yeah. Go Google a picture of Conrad Veed in The Man Who Laughs, and that's the Joker, man. Tell me that's not the Joker. Yeah, man. yeah. So you can say you created him or whatever, but all you did was give him a purple outfit and some green hair because the actual <laughs> character already existed in that 1928 yep. movie. That's just who he is. Although the character was planned to be killed off in his initial appearance, he was going to die at the end of the first Batman comic, he was spared by editorial intervention, allowing the character to endure as an archenemy of Batman for several decades. And I think he's become his more most infamous villain. You can't think of Batman without thinking no, of the that's, Joker. No, that's definitely who I... Pair, you know, pair Batman up with. In his comic book appearances, the Joker's portrayed as a criminal mastermind. He was introduced as a psychopath with a warped, sadistic sense of humor originally, but he became a goofy prankster in the late 1950s in response to regulation by the Comics Code Authority. <laughs> Better said, calm it down. They huh? said, you can't have murdering clowns. What are you doing? Cut it back. Oh, he's not a murdering clown anymore. He's he's just uh, just a funny clown. He, right. he plays pranks. He, he, he ties uh, animal balloons. <laughs> That's what that guy does. Uh, he returned to his darker roots in the early 1970s, and I think he's in full force these days with the dark oh, yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Important Batman storylines with the Joker include the murder of Jason Todd, who was the second Robin, and the paralysis of Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl. Uh, actually, in a comic book that was written by Alan Moore, which was called The Killing Joke, the Joker breaks into... Um, Barbara Gordon's apartment and he shoots her in the stomach and that goes through and crushes her spine and she's paralyzed in the DC universe for many many years. That's horrible. Yeah it's, it's just terrible. Uh, the Joker's had many possible origin stories over the years but the most common involves him falling into a tank of chemical waste that bleaches his skin white, turns his hair green and his lips bright red. The resulting disfigurement drives him insane. The Joker is the antithesis of Batman in personality and in appearance, which is why many critics uh, consider the Joker to be Batman's perfect adversary. He just doesn't look like Batman. He doesn't play by Batman's rules. He's nope. he's just his own guy. Total polar opposite. You know, I, I like uh, I like the uh, Jack Nicholson version of, of of the Joker. Of course, That's my favorite. And, and he's the one that falls into these chemicals, right? And, right. And you know, he's badly hurt, and there's there's like this sort of uh, street corner surgeon that has him oh, and, no. and he's undoing the bandages. <laughs> I always wondered who that was because yeah, like, where did he get that guy? He's like got a neon flashing light outside. I don't know what it says, yeah. but I can just imagine plastic surgery. <laughs> who goes into a place like that? It's like a tattoo parlor underneath the, I don't know, <laughs> Gotham sewer. It, se it seems legit, you know, when he's he's taking the uh, the bandages off and he's like, this is the best I could do, sir. You know, and of course he's disfigured and and then, uh, but also like Heath Ledger, you know, where, where Ledger kind of basically says that his, I think his father done that to him yeah. you know, in the movie that he he cut him you know with right. with a knife on his on his mouth and so uh both uh, unbelievable actors both unbelievable portrayals 100 percent uh they're both great i think in the batman episode you asked me which was my favorite joker and i said jack nicholson right. obviously is number one and then you said well between heath ledger and joaquin phoenix in the more yeah. recent joker movie and i said i was leaning toward joaquin phoenix but as it's kind of settled with me a little bit, I think I've swung back the other way. Have you really? Yeah, I've thought about that for a little while, and I think Keith Ledger really had the defining performance after Jack Nicholson. Now, I have not seen Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. 
It's good. I've not seen that yet. I need to do that. Yeah, it's it's really good. It just at the end of the day just doesn't feel like a Joker movie somehow. Right. It's just I know it's and I yeah. know it's different. It's not a it's not a superhero movie. Not straightforward. Right, right. No, it's it's an origin story for sure. But it's funny you mentioned Jack Nicholson uh, because that I, I have a memorable scene in my mind of something that happens in that movie in the original Batman movie in 1989 and uh, also when I was a child. So you might remember that. Jack Nicholson as the Joker has this buzzer that he'll put on his hand and in yes. one scene he walks into a room with all these gang members and he shakes one of their hands you know he says that sounds like a great deal or whatever he's saying and as he shakes the hand the guy starts to get electrocuted and then he catches on fire and then he's just a smoking <laughs> skeleton right. sitting there you know and then Jack Nicholson just says something like it looks like he's a little hot under the collar <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, just classic lines it's great but Jason Prior to that movie, I'd never heard of the concept of a like a joke buzzer. I'd never seen one, and they exist. Apparently, you know, oh, yeah. you just sort of wind them. I up. used to have one. I did too, but yeah. not until later in life. And here's what's funny about that: I literally thought that that's all that thing did, like it just electrocuted people. <laughs> so one day at the Scholastic Book Fair, I saw that these were on sale. <laughs> And it just blew my mind. <laughs> this would be in a school. Yeah, that they would be in a school. I was just thinking, do they not know what that does? Why would they sell that thing here? I didn't buy it. I'll I, take four. I was terrified. It was just made of plastic, you know, and uh, there's a little wind-up rubber band inside, and it just makes a noise. I found that out years later. I actually got one, wound it up, shook somebody's hand. It goes, zzzz. It doesn't actually do anything. It just makes a sound. But, yeah. I, you thought you were going to put four uh, electrocutors, uh, an R.L. Stein book, and a Lamborghini poster, right? That's exactly right. Book fair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's what you could pick up at the yeah. Scholastic Book Fair. But, Jason, this was, this was fun. Now, I know we had several villains who didn't necessarily make our list but our listeners wrote them in as honorable mentions so who was mentioned as right. some of the villains we okay didn't get on? so so there were two that really deserve to be on the the, the top 10 list sure. right but we didn't put them on there for reasons that we've already discussed we just wanted to kind of get a wide variety spread it out a little folks, bit yeah. yeah so one of those is lex luthor yeah he's he's big time superman villain obviously uh another is the penguin yeah, it's it's it was hard. Pink was pretty big. In my heart is hard to leave him out. As was the Riddler. I mean, those guys are yep. just iconic Batman villains. Uh, and so we have uh, three others uh, that were honorable mentions. One is Mister Freeze, also yeah. a, a Batman. We could have probably villain. done just ten Batman villains, honestly. But yeah, if we weren't trying to spread it out. Yeah, because we you know, we had I think Poison Ivy was one we had. Sure. Uh, yeah. Scarecrow, we could have went with Scarecrow that one. So yeah, good. so Batman Bane probably could have had his another Bane. Big one. Yeah. yeah. Another honorable mention was Galacticus. Galactus. Or Galactus, I guess. Yeah, I think that's uh, Fantastic Four we had talked about earlier. I think earlier. so. Yeah. Maybe make some appearance in Silver Surfer. Right. Just different um, Marvel Universe sure. yeah. type. Yeah. And then the last one is a little bit different here. So it is. this, but but I like it. I, I like the idea. It's not Marvel. It's not DC. But it's definitely a bad guy. Yeah. Definitely in comic books. Sure. In definitely movies. in cartoons. Definitely in movies. Yeah. So by that definition, it meets all those uh, all the criteria. Yeah. Shredder. I love Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, Shredder. Sucky. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I thought at first I, when I saw that, I thought Shredder, and then I thought, yeah. well, you know well, what? You know what? Yeah. He's, uh, I'll, I'll go with that. Sure. He, yeah. he may not have the Infinity Stones, but man, he's going to get those turtles. He's, yeah, <laughs> I believe he is. Yeah. So, Jason, I, I really enjoyed this. This was a nice compliment to our Top 20 Superheroes podcast episode. And if anyone has a craving for more of the same, go go check out that episode. That one was a lot of fun, yeah. too. 
Yeah, yeah that was a popular one. So anything else to say about supervillains before we get ready to close this one out? I don't think so. I, I think I feel pretty good about that list. So sorry, Penguin, but uh, but it was fun. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Thanks to all of our listeners who are following us each week. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at SlapdashPod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you.